Let us worship God. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, you know that I love you. Um, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Good morning. 
It is really, really cool to be here in 3D. Uh, the last time and only other time I was here, it was virtually. Um, so it's great to be in, invited back here um, in this space uh, with you. And after what I hear was a very um, festive and warm and full Easter. Um, and just by the ways in which um, folks are uh, giving and passing the peace this morning, I can just feel this sense of, of return. Some of you may be wondering uh, who the heck I am and why I'm here. Um, and I think, I like to think um, it's because I, I fish on the right side of the boat. Um, I love those who identify as Presbyterian. Um, I actually attended a few classes at the San Francisco Theological Seminary at the Hogwarts of the GTU, and my boyfriend graduated with a Master's of Theology there. Um, he's Catholic, but whatever, I'm just trying to make a couple connections. Um, we also have a mutual friend in addition to Jesus. Um, I met Mary Morgante years ago at an Episcopal church in San Francisco. Just kidding, kind of. Um, we hit it off and have become um, friends for years. In the time that I have known Mary, I had a daughter who just turned 13 last week, so please pray for me. Um, I've gotten a divorce, um, graduated seminary, been ordained in the Episcopal church, I quit my job uh, running an Episcopal camp that I ran for 17 years, and I'm now the executive director of Congregation Shomri Torah, which is a progressive synagogue in Santa Rosa. By now, I am used to the head tilt that occurs when hearing I went from being a summer camp director to an ordained minister to running a synagogue. Um, that's just natural. It, we'll get to some of that, but we'll talk more at coffee hour, I'm sure. Um, and Mary, too, has been through a lot of changes, changes ch changed churches, uh, denominations, yay, um, had a grandchild, and has moved. Uh, Mary cannot be with us this morning. She is not feeling well, um, and so I've been sending her my love and prayers. Um, and none of these changes uh, account for the ways in which COVID impacted us all, all of us, really. Today's gospel um, got me thinking about uh, one of my favorite stories my dad loved to tell about the first time he took me fishing. We left home before dawn and arrived at a pier in the early morning at Deems Lake in Indiana. In attendance were my father, my older brother, Nathan, um, and me. My dad recounts uh, having to put the worm on the hook for me as I squirmed. Um, and after several lessons on how to cast, I was fishing. My dad then said, now, Katie, do not take your eyes off the bobber. If it goes down into the water, pull on the line. And my dad went and spent some time getting my brother settled, um, and he began fishing himself. Some time had passed, and my dad had realized that something was terribly wrong. I was silent. My dad walked away uh, and walked over to me and saw his four-year-old daughter sitting on the pier in silence, not taking my eye off the bobber. I later learned through other fishing trips with my dad that it's okay to talk while fishing and that you don't always have to keep your eye on the bobber, uh, that naming worms was okay, and that a caught fish could be petted 
and then released back into the water. Dare I say uh, that I learned the purpose of fishing may not actually be catching a fish. We hear a story in today's gospel um, about the disciples going fishing. They went out, got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. They heard a voice from the shore. I like to imagine a person with a megaphone, fish from the right side of the boat. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. Now hold on, let's pause here. Naked fishing? We heard it. We heard it right. I will not be advocating to begin a new form of religious expression um, inspired by naked fishing. I mean, we just met after all. Um, But bear with me, pun intended. Um, I will get to the naked part. I'd like to start with this image of Jesus standing on the shore. And I wonder how long he was standing there before he said anything, watching his friends fish as they always had. And then Jesus addresses them at some point, children, have you no fish? Cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. And the disciples follow the recommendation of this unknown person on the beach. They cast it to the right side of the boat and now they're not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. And then the recognition occurred. This guy on the beach with the insider tip on how to get fish is in fact their beloved Jesus. It is the Lord, they cry in recognition. During my 17 years serving as the director of an Episcopal summer camp, St. Dorothy's Rest, this is the type of recognition that occurred on a daily basis. Of course, days of summer camp are filled with games, singing, archery, swimming, hikes, arts and crafts, campfires. Camp can and should be a place where youth are welcomed um, as Christ welcomes the stranger, as is, unconditionally, fully, no change needed. During summer camp, I like to imagine at times we were fishing and Jesus was amongst us, sometimes upon the shore, watching. And then those other moments where God became palpable in our presence. A few summers ago, we were doing the closing Eucharist with a group of 8 to 12-year-old campers. And prior to communion, the Episcopal priest began describing aspects of the service, um, explaining this to the children coming from many multiple faith backgrounds and some none. And you know the drill, you know, hold out your hand, help the chalice to your lips, you can do the intinction, what does intinction mean? And then something incredible happened with this Episcopal priest. She innocently, innocently asked this group of children, okay, do you have any questions? And the hands started popping up. How does the body and blood become bread and wine? Is it real wine? I'm Catholic. Can I take communion from you? And please note that this was a female Episcopal priest this child was asking. Do I have to take the bread and wine? I watched as this priest performed a beautiful dance of listening, answering in a way that every child felt heard and could ask their questions openly. Questions, even disagreements occurred, and the way the entire community just loved and welcomed it all. And after an hour, after most of the questions seemed to subside, we shared the bread and wine. 
There's a costume room at St. Dorothy's Rest. And by costume room, I mean hundreds of gowns, hats, wigs, suits, you name it. And I always talked about the costume room reflecting a key component of summer camp ministry. Camp is a place where you get to try on new parts of yourself. Away from the pressures or roles we often play at home, school, work, you name it. One year, uh, when we were conducting interviews um, of our summer camp staff, one candidate asked um, one of our leadership team members, what's our favorite part of camp? And I was struck by the answer our 22-year-old summer camp director gave. Chris said, I'm one way with a group of friends at school, and at camp, I feel like I'm my most true self. I get to be goofy and sing and worship and play, and no one judges me. Camp can and should be a place we're invited to become our most stripped-down versions of ourself, our true self. I told you I would get back to the naked part. There's a debate, actually, whether naked fishing was an actual reality of the time this gospel was written. The Reverend Drew Downs of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Terre Haute writes, Many had written that it would have been normal for Peter to be naked, not wanting to soil his work clothes, and perhaps not being fully naked, but something similar to like a loincloth. Others suggest that Peter isn't totally naked, but is ashamed, covering himself, putting his back on his work clothes before he goes to greet Jesus. I'd like to believe that like camp and like Peter in the boat, there are places where we feel totally naked and exposed to the presence of God. And at times, we quickly defer to the world and cover up, feeling too exposed. It can be very vulnerable. And today, I wonder what it feels like for you here at 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Are there ways in which you feel you not only can strip down, but also feel fully seen as you are? And what are the ways you may have to cover up? My preferred prayer posture, say that three times fast, um, my preferred prayer posture is this. And I was just told this morning this lovely way in which, because of COVID, our prayer has gone from holding each other's hands um, at a point in our service to this. And this is how I feel most of the time when it comes to how I understand how God sees, loves, and accepts me as is in the moment, no change needed. It's only when I begin to imagine the ways I don't like this or that about myself or my actions or my looks that I, not God, cover up. That gets to the questions that Jesus asks the naked fishermen. The Reverend Marshall Shelley summarizes the encounter on the beach between Jesus and Peter. After rejecting Jesus three times on Good Friday, he is redeemed three times by the Sea of Galilee. The three questions Jesus asks Peter can be asked of us today. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. 
About 20 years after my first fishing trip, I found myself in a boat uh, on Lake Webster in northern Indiana with my dad. Of course, dad put the worm on my hook, and I listened to his expert advice on how to catch a fish. Several hours later, no fish. And then my bobber went down. I reeled that line in, and it was the only catch of the day, a large bass. And I watched as dozens of boats came towards us. They wanted a catch, too. As Christians, and like the fisherwoman that I was that day, others notice. They are drawn to God's light and each and every one of us. We will show them where the fish are. Travis Stanley of the Norwalk Christian Church states, if we forget that we are like a bunch of naked guys in a fishing boat, catching nothing, the church, and I will interject summer camp, is for equipping God's people to do God's work, to feed and tend Jesus's sheep. Even churches and camps, like Peter, can go fall back into comfortable ruts and need redirection. It's a comfort to know that Jesus is willing to seek each and every one of us out, break bread with us, forgive us when we lose sight of what is important, and send us on our way again. In fact, that is what Jesus does with us every week. During COVID, I came to the realization that I was no longer fishing on the right side of the boat, and I was too covered up. My job search brought me to a synagogue, and wow, the fishing has been profound and hard. I'll say that in my nine months at Congregation Shomri Torah, I've never felt like an outcast, an outsider, a heathen, judged, or not a part of a community of followers of a loving, accepting God. But I've been really struggling to wonder how a Jewish person would feel fishing alongside of me in a Christian context. Actually, I don't have to wonder. I believe that Dr. Amy Jill Levine, who is Jewish, states it better than I can. We don't have to make Jews look bad to make Jesus look good. I am keenly aware now that I work at a synagogue of the fear associated with practicing Judaism. So much so, there are panic buttons hidden throughout the synagogue, 24-hour security cameras and armed guards for our Friday and Saturday Shabbat services, as well as armed guards for our religious school for 5- to 12-year-olds. Several weeks ago, our younger kids made their dream synagogues out of Legos. The youth director came and was eager to show off their work. I wept when I was told that five of the children included a Lego person and their dream Lego synagogue that represented a security guard. Kids, children keenly aware that their place of worship is not safe. I've also just recently learned that goldfish's size is in part dependent on the bowl that you put them in. Is this new information for anybody? Totally new information for me. Um, Jesus turned the disciples' heads to the right side of the boat, and the catch was great. So challenging myself to understand the ways in which Christianity has 
and continues to perpetuate anti-Semitic acts of violence. Um, recently reported by the AP to be the highest occurrences in the US, has me gazing to the right of the boat for the first time in new and different ways. I imagine hearing from the shore from the great rabbi, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. I feel like my fishbowl has gotten extraordinarily bigger. It's important for me to understand that Jesus was not trying to establish any new institutional religion. And as someone who identified as Jewish, he was amongst his disciples that post his death and resurrection were grappling with their own Jewish identity in this new unknown context. My friends in Christ, I'm glad that my dad taught me that I didn't have to keep my eye on the bobber the entire time I was fishing. I may have missed Jesus on the shore, Jesus in our midst. I'm glad I applied to run a synagogue and take my eyes off the bobber um, the entire time I was fishing. So today I want to invite you to imagine yourself fishing. Naked, if that's comfortable. Maybe it's not comfortable, maybe it's challenging, but try to imagine it. Are you in the same old familiar fishing spot? Do you feel exposed, covered up? Which side of the boat do you cast your nets? The lambs and sheep that Jesus refers to are not limited to the folks that believe like us, look like us, act like us. We are told to feed and tend to, not discount others' beliefs, not convert. His love is unconditional. And when asked if we love him, we are instructed to feed and tend to others. And where we can find them, not necessarily seated next to us in the same boat or pew or place of worship. God asks us all, and I'm asking you now, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. As our rabbi calls us from the shore, fish on the right side of the boat. Feed my sheep. Follow him. In closing prayer, Psalm 19 has a special role in the Jewish tradition. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Oh, my God. 
Let us pray. Eternal Spirit, living God in whom we live and move and have our being, all that we are, have been, and shall be is known to you, to the very secret of our hearts and all that rises to trouble us. Living flame, burn into us. Cleansing wind, blow through us. Fountain of water, well up within us that we may love and praise in deed and in truth. Amen. And may the grace of God, the peace of Christ, and the power of the Spirit be with those who work or watch or weep this day. May God tend the sick, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, and shield the joyous. Amen. Go in peace.